morning, good afternoon, or good evening, listeners, and welcome back to our latest installment of MBM's M&A Snack and Chat podcast. I'm your host, Brian Shaw, and I'm joined, as always, by my colleague, Caroline Urban. Hi, Caroline. Hi, Brian. Hello, everyone. As many of you hopefully know by now, we focus on M&A on this podcast, and we have uh, various different guests and another very exciting guest today who we will introduce very shortly. And it's always the case that we have a snack to hand. So I'm going to go first this time because I have with me an enormous bag of German Mauam sweets, which I'm working my three through. What about you, Brian? Today, I, I'm, I'm, I'm having a snack to, uh, to someone who I've lost, uh, who was a childhood hero of mine, uh, the great Shane Warne. He passed away recently in absolute shock. So I'm having a Vegemite sandwich uh, for Shane today. So <laughs> that's what I'm snacking on. That was his favorite snack. So on with today's show. Today, we have an MBM podcast first. Last time, you may recall, we chatted with Charlie Cadbury from Say It Now about its acquisition of Get Started. Well, today we get to hear the other side of the story as we are joined by the founder and CEO of Get Started, Norbert Horvath. Norbert is a serial tech entrepreneur who has established and exited companies on numerous occasions. It was a delight working with Norbert on the other side of the deal as Norbert was very forthcoming with information, helpful and insightful. It honestly was an absolute pleasure. So Norbert, welcome. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Caroline. Yes, I'm looking forward to uh, speaking with you all. And uh, particularly now that we're talking snacks, I wish I had some, <laughs> especially no, you, after the Mawam conversation. <laughs> oh, I can share some with you. The bag's quite big. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, now that we covered the snack, let's get right into the, the juicy conversational bit. And um, to give some context and background to our listeners, Norbert, tell us about your story. Where did it begin and how did you end up where you are today? Well, it's a, it's a long story. My defining moment really was when my parents arrived in Germany as political refugees from Hungary in the late 70s. As a young boy, I witnessed uh, how difficult it is for someone to really uproot themselves and restart their careers. Previous education and experience doesn't count when you arrive in a new country. And oftentimes that is why so many refugees and immigrants turn into the entrepreneurial mindset. So I saw that from the very beginning and, and saw my parents build their own business from, from scratch. And, and I also saw how effective that can be. So I found that to be a very <clears throat> inspirational period of my life. And then the other side of that is when, when your parents are setting things up like that, you really don't ask for pocket money. <laughs> and you had to very early on understand you better make your own cash. <laughs> and so I, I, I dabbled with uh, all kinds of little services businesses. I had a bicycle repair services business in my early teens. I, I had multiple paper routes. I resold paper routes. And, and, and I constantly was looking at, at you know, different ways of hustling. And then on the technology front, in my early teens, the Commodore 64 became affordable and available. And I, I very quickly took to coding and software development and this concept of building something of fundamental value out of just my mind. And if you combine those two, I very early realized that this is really my career. I want to build and sell technology. I immigrated to Canada myself when I was 18, and I started my first business in university, dealing with large data before large data was known as large data. I, I happened to sell that business 
shortly after my graduating. And uh, since then, I've been building, building businesses that were all rooted in product idea. I covered everything from uh, public safety to health to, my goodness, education, supply chain. I worked in developing countries. So I worked on the housing crisis, supporting uh, international nonprofits. And then I had uh, the idea for my last business, which was Vemba. It was a video syndication platform. And I sold that business about two and a half years ago. That's when I started to get started. And here we are. It is a very interesting past, but moving on to the purpose of this show, um, you mentioned to get started. So what interested you in, in voice recognition technology specifically and, and the genesis of Get Started? Interactive voice, Alexa particularly, and Google Assistant kept, kept rearing their heads in my, in my consciousness in terms of a viable product arena. And I started researching this and I realized that if you look at the uh, adoption curve of smart speakers, we were in the early majority, you know, the, the, the bell curve that indicates from early adopter to early majority, late majority and late adopter. And we were kind of approaching the middle of it. But when it came to actual content to it, there was not much out there. And, and, and that fascinated me because it was kind of akin to, 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 to the web, right? Just billions of web pages, right? But there's only, realistically, there were only a few thousand voice apps that were actively used. And so that mm-hmm. gap in terms of content and content consumer fascinated me. So I started noodling with the tech itself, playing with the tech, trying to build something on my own, see where the friction points. And I realized what a royal pain it was to build a voice app because there is just so many other dimensions that you have to factor in in terms of user experience. And that's when it hit me. There were no voice apps because they were very, very expensive and uh, capital expenditure was required to get get anything uh, off the ground. After a bit of research, I saw it's about $50,000, $60,000 to build a viable voice app. And having come from advertisement just now, I realized there's a massive gap because advertisement doesn't work with capital expenditure. Advertisement works with high volume, uh, low transaction fees, highly optimized transactional efficiencies, And so I realized there was a need in the market for a platform for advertisers and brands to explore this vertical, this interactive vertical with the audience. So that was really the genesis of uh, Get Started. That's really interesting. And I think that leads us nicely to talk about your your deal with Say It Now. And we heard last time from Charlie about how the conversations began between the two of you in relation to the acquisition of Get Started. Mm-hmm. It would be great to hear your perspective. How, how did you find out about Say It Now? What were your first impressions? And ultimately, what led you to the decision that a sale or an integration with Say It Now would be the best option? So basically, what we built was a platform that uh, allowed a brand or an advertiser to visually compose a conversation, right? a, com- a conversation, a, a Q&A environment for an advertiser brand is, you know, you want to find out more, yes, no. Do you want to have a coupon sent to you? Yes, no. So we built this platform and we planned on selling it to creative and media agencies to add to their roster of services to their brands. It's called a channel license, a channel licensing uh, approach. Mm-hmm. And as 
the platform was launched, we got a lot of really good feedback, but the agencies were not fully ready to, to, to wrap their heads creatively around this new, new method because it was new. It was so new. They didn't know what worked, what didn't work. And I realized that I needed to build an agency capacity around the software so we can kind of eat our own dog food, as they say. I was in a fundraise to build this agency capacity around the functioning tech. As I was doing a fundraise, a mutual friend of mine, actually, he was a, he was a CEO of a, of a company called Million Ads. He, they, were, they were a portfolio company of my previous investor, Bertelsmann. And so I was talking to Steve and I'm telling him about this fundraise that we're going through. And he said, you should talk to this guy I know called Charlie. And uh, Charlie Cadbury, I mean, the name itself is intriguing, right? <laughs> like Willy Wonka, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it in fact was, I think, <laughs> a tip of the hat to it. But anyway, and, and so I started researching Charlie and Say It Now, and I watched him present exactly the same philosophy that I was basing my last year and a half on. And I started digging, I looked at their product, and I realized it wasn't a product, it was, it was truly agency work. They, they saw the opportunity, they pursued the opportunity, they created the uh, creative experience around it, and then they built, they built the, the voice app for each and every opportunity. And I thought, okay, I think I need to call. And on the first call, we basically aligned right away. I said, this is interesting. We both are raising funds, you for building technology that I have. And I'm raising funds to build capacity that you have. And it made so much sense that in the very first, very, very first phone call, we basically agreed to do this. And Charlie brought in his co-founder, Sander, Sander Season. Um, and, uh, and Sander, in that first phone call, just kind of had a side glance to Charlie and said, we, we have to do this. And, and then, of course, the process starts, right? And so I prepped the business on the Canadian end of things. And he was prepping Save Now in the UK and things. And that's when I was introduced to you and your fine team. Of course, we heard from Charlie that you, you closed the deal within 100 days of that first call. So that is, that is super impressive. We started sharing information that you really shouldn't have been sharing before due diligence and before locking down non-comps and exclusivity agreements and all that, because we we're just so excited about the, the, the joint capacity. We literally from two, three weeks into the process, we, we, we started selling jointly <laughs> and so yeah it was in our best interest to speed this up and i know yes. you you know even before the deal was done you're being uh, introduced as the co-founder so yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it must it must have turned some of your hairs yes i did curl my toes up a few times but um, <laughs> but it just shows you know that you know you're both pushing in the same direction which is fantastic you, you mentioned you've exited from other businesses in the past this is a quasi-exit because obviously you're still there. It's more a merger. How did this m and process differ from, from others that you've been involved with? Well, you know what? Um, I've, I've had several exits, whether it was an asset sale or a share purchase. And of mm -hmm. course, as you know, they, they all have their, their, their different complexities and, mm -hmm. and frictions. I think the most important thing to note here is that you or one always needs a process and the process has to be overseen by a trusted advocate and counsel. I think, I think that, that, that's the first thing that I would say in my previous exits and this merger particularly, 
Uh, I had a fantastic team in Canada with Faskin. And then, of course, um, your team, the MBM team in, in the UK. And I think what made this different than anything, any other ones, was that there was a, a implicit desire to hit the ground running as quickly as possible. So we were forthcoming on my end against your uh, requests, right? And then on your end against Faskin's requests. And I was actually talking to, to, to Ryan from Faskin afterwards. And he said this was by far the most fun MA that he did because, mm-hmm. because of that. It's not that the other ones were adver- adversarial, but they're, they're, you know, much everybody is in their respective corners and it's done all through process. But, he, but here, I think Charlie and Sandra and I were just so actively involved in trying to make this happen. It's funny, I would say, that it was actually a, a pleasure and a joy mm. <laughs> to go yeah. through an MA process. Yeah. God, we'd like to hear that definitely. <laughs> um, it was a it was a very friendly deal, um, and I think it's definitely probably the only deal that I've experienced where Canadian Council was not so much advising both sides, but was very much kind of advising on the process in the interest of just getting the deal done for both parties. So, as did you, as yeah. did you, yeah. as did you as well, right? Very so true. Very forthcoming. Yeah. And the, um, I guess that brings us on to the, the Canadian and UK element uh, must have presented some challenges. Can you tell us a bit more about this? It's worth mentioning that a asset sale is always easier than a share purchase, right? But in this instance, the, ca- the company is federally incorporated in Canada and it was based out of Toronto and it was federally incorporated for a couple of reasons. The main one being that we can act as a uh, clearinghouse in terms of content monetization, the advertising transactions, us being a facilitator of this transaction between in, in, in media, the buy and the sales side. So that was the reason why we're federally incorporated in Canada. And it, this was in, an important asset to the joint company. So we can hit the ground running in the US and in Canada. And, and it would have been uh, a, sh- a shame to miss out on the work that we've done on the corporate structure. So with that said, and it being a share purchase, now we had tax considerations to the existing shareholders of Get Started, um, options holders, right? Because now this is a liquidation event, meaning options actually get converted into shares and that has a tax liability to the options holder. But early stage startup, as you know, um, the valuation is a bit tricky to define. And so why would you have to pay taxes on something that you cannot really quite define the value on? So the complexity was mostly in cleaning up the cap table uh, for this cross-border deal to happen. Uh, so we were able to do that again with, uh, with Fast and with your advice as well, how best to do this. That was the, the, the most complex um, component of this. Um, of course, I learned a, I learned a lot about about UK employment law as well in the process because I became a co-founder of of Save Now and equal partner to Charlie and and Sander, and so as such, uh, there were things I had to learn. But again, with with the right with the right counsel, anything is possible. But there's always some challenge, and I think you're. I think the tax in this case was was the main challenge. But from your perspective, how's it how's it gone? Post-deal. I, th- I think I think the positivity is oozing in this conversation because really you always hope that something goes to plan and 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 you don't really think that it will exceed all expectations. In this instance, it really has. Um, the two organizations 
very quickly, we honed our message to the actionable audio ad uh, format that, that we now were able to uh, publish in larger and efficient numbers. We announced major partnerships with uh, uh, WPP, for example. We uh, got endorsements from the Radio Advertising Bureau and the industry really paid attention to us. So internally, we crystallized what, what it was that we were doing faster than I expected. And externally, we were received with uh, enthusiasm higher than I expected. Sandra Charlie, myself, and of course, the team, we're all, all very comfortable with how things are. So it, it went as good or better than expected. Gosh, it really does sound like a match made in heaven. It does. <laughs> so romantic. <laughs> not all uh, deals are going to be matches made in heaven and not all businesses are going to find um, the ultimate partner in that sense. But given your experience and the number of businesses that you have built and exited, what kind of um, tips or advice can you give to sort of to some of our startup listeners between doing a fundraising, going it alone versus looking for a strategic merger, for example. When you start a business, especially a tech business, right? There is the what, and then there's the why. And um, when you are a tech entrepreneur that also is a technologist, right? Because not all tech entrepreneurs are software developers, but if you're a technologist, then you generally are leaning towards the what. My only piece of advice I have there is that if you are in that quadrant of the entrepreneurial spectrum, it's doubly important to keep your ear to the ground on product market fit and particularly the trends in the industry that see you landing your product as you're pushing it to market. I think from a product-centric tech startup, the scenario that we just discussed is more likely at an earlier stage than if you were to build a startup with uh, purely a gap, uh, market gap in mind. Um, in, that, in that instance, do exactly what we discussed. Understand how quickly a startup can fizzle away unless you take the right steps, right preventative steps. In this instance, it's, it was a strategic merger. It just made sense. So if you're focusing your startup on product, always be open to these kinds of mergers. The other piece of advice that I have is, of course, never give up. <laughs> Keep slogging, never give up. <laughs> um, that, that's really my biggest piece of advice. Diligence, don't, don't take the foot off the gas. Uh, and, and, and keep pushing. Well, thank you, Norbert. That's, those are definitely very valuable uh, voices of, of wisdom. So just before we end the podcast, we have enough time to do our rapid fire round. So Norbert, you will have 60 seconds to answer as many questions as you can in that oh time. <laughs> just say the first thing that comes to mind. On your mark, get set. Where did you go to school? Munich, Germany. Favorite food? Sushi. If you were having a dinner party and could invite three guests, alive, dead, or fictional, who oh, would no. you invite <laughs> and why? My favorite oh, question. No. Um, an academic, a politician, and a mathematician. 
that's the perfect combo for me always in terms of debate. Strangest thing you have asked Alexa. Do a fart. <laughs> <laughs> I had kids around. I tried to entertain kids. <laughs> um, your favorite holiday destination. <sighs> Hawaii. What are you currently streaming apart from MBM Snack and Chat podcast, of course? The Journal podcast. And finally, if you were down to your last $10, where would you invest them? Crypto. That's Norbert. a very common answer. <laughs> yeah, we've had a few of those. Um, Norbert, thank you so much for your time and participating in MBM's MA Snack and Chat podcast. So that's it for today. So thank you for joining us in our chat with Norbert Horvath. Join us next time when Caroline and I will be joined by another special guest where we will chat and snack all things M&A. Goodbye all. Goodbye.